Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. We've been in this series for just a few weeks now. We've got this series going on called Windward. This is a a series where you might not have heard of the term windward before, maybe unless you grew up in sailing or unless you are somebody who grew up on on a river or on a lake or something like that and grew up around boats. You might not have heard this term windward before, but I guarantee you that you have experienced what it means to be in a windward position before. You might not know what the term means, but you have experienced it before. I grew up playing sports. I've been surrounded by sports for decades now, and it doesn't matter what sport it is. It doesn't matter if it's soccer or basketball or baseball or or football or hockey. It doesn't matter what sport it is. There is a phenomenon in sports that is difficult to describe, but it's easy to experience. It's something that you cannot control. It's this phenomenon called momentum. Momentum exists in sports because just because there are two teams playing, one team might be more talented, might, one team might be more equipped, one team might be more ready, but that doesn't necessarily mean 100% of the time that that is the team that is going to win the game. You might find on any given day that there is one team that is winning, one team that is scoring all the goals, one team that is making all the shots, but then all of a sudden in the game, there's one player that makes some freakish play and all of a sudden the momentum starts to shift. And for the other team, things that were difficult are now easy. For the other team, the ball starts bouncing in their direction. For the other team, the referee starts making calls in their favor. And and I don't know if you've ever played sports before. I don't know if you've ever experienced this phenomenon or if you've ever watched a game, but you can tell when the momentum starts to shift. I don't know if you've ever been in the stands at, at a game where you can just feel that and all of a sudden the energy starts to build and all of a sudden everybody is aware of the fact that the momentum has started shifting. The wind has started blowing in a new direction. I have been on the receiving end of both of these. I have been on the team that is winning and then all of a sudden the momentum starts shifting away from you and you do whatever you can possibly do to try and get the momentum back, but sometimes you can't. Sometimes the momentum shifts out of your favor. And I've also been on the receiving end where nothing was working in my favor. Every time that I touched the ball, it would go out of the field and I couldn't do anything right. And then all of a sudden, the momentum shifted in our team's favor. And now every time that I touch the ball, it goes in the goal. Every time that I touch the ball, it goes to the right teammate. And all of a sudden, the wind has now shifted in your direction. And this is the concept of windward. This is when the wind is blowing at your back, where things that were difficult in one season are now easy in this season. This is what we are believing for in this season, that the wind of the Holy Spirit is blowing from our direction, that he is blowing things in our favor. And before, before I get too deep into this message, I just want to challenge some of our theology real quick. Because... Because I see enough on social media, I'm in enough conversations that I think that like we know that we are victorious, but we don't really like know that we are victorious. 
Like we know the scripture that God has made us to be more than overcomers. We know those scriptures in our head. Like we can, we might've read them before. Maybe they're familiar if you read the scripture. Maybe you can even recite those scriptures, but we don't really know those scriptures at our core. We don't act like we believe them. We don't act like the fact that Jesus went to the cross and overcome the grave and that he has therefore given us that same victory. We don't act all the time like we believe that we have that same kind of victory. We know it, but we don't necessarily know it. And we, we talk about how Jesus has to be coming back soon because the world is going to hell, because this nation is being ripped apart, because it's hell on earth and things are not getting better and, and better. Things are actually getting worse and worse. And I don't know what, what news it is that you're watching that leads you to believe that, but it doesn't take long to research history to see that things are actually getting better and better. If you have, like, if you have an accurate perspective and understanding about what has happened over the course of time, you have to believe that things are getting better and better. How many are glad that they weren't alive during World War I? How many are glad that they weren't alive during World War II? How many are glad that there, there's something that happened, you, you might not even know this, something happened in the year 536 AD. You might not have even heard of this before. 536 AD, you're like, that's a random number. 536 AD, what happened in 536 AD? In 536 AD, a volcano erupted and caused smoke that filled the entire earth. So thick, in fact, that the sun could not penetrate it. And for 18 months, there was no sun on earth. For 18 months, it was cold. And I know that it's snowing outside, and I know that in, in Ohio, we don't see the sun for like two or three months at a time, but we think that this is a big deal. But for 18 months, they didn't see the sun. For 18 months, it was cold. It snowed in summer in 536 A.D., how many are glad that they weren't around in 536 AD? You know what that does to your psyche? You know what that does to your physical health? Things don't grow when there's no sun. You can't grow anything. You know what it does to your emotional health when you are always surrounded by darkness? Things are not getting worse and worse. Things are getting better and better. And it is our belief at this church that the wind is getting ready to blow in our direction, that the wind is at our back and where things used to be difficult, that things will now be easy. This is what it means to be in a windward position. And the wind is gonna blow where it wants to. That's what scripture says. It says the wind is gonna blow where it wants to. The question is, are you ready to catch it? The question is, are you prepared to catch the wind when it starts blowing in your direction? Or is your focus on the issues? Is your focus on your failure? Is your focus on the things that you have done wrong? Is your focus on the news? And your, is your focus on the issues that we see in the world? Or is your focus on the fact that the wind is blowing and I am preparing myself on how I can catch the wind? Wind is a, wind is a funny thing though. Wind is mentioned all throughout scripture. 
And, and uh, wind is often referred to as something that God does to bring salvation and, and freedom and deliverance. When God sends wind, it's often to bring freedom and deliverance and salvation. We see this in, in Moses' day. When Moses is getting ready to see the Israelites set free from Egypt, we know that one of the ten, one of the ten plagues uh, that happens is when the wind starts blowing and God brings in the locusts and then after that, we know that we follow the story and when Moses is at the Red Sea, we know that the wind starts blowing and then the sea starts to divide so that the Israelites can walk through on dry land. And after that, we know that the wind starts blowing again and that the quail is brought in when the Israelites are hungry. We know that time and time and time Again, when the wind starts blowing, God is bringing salvation and God is bringing freedom and God is bringing deliverance. We know this in the Old Testament and we know this in the New Testament. We know that essentially the church is birthed at Pentecost, which is a time when the believers gather together in a room and then the Holy Spirit came in the sound of a mighty rushing wind. God moves often through the wind. And the wind is often translated in different kind of ways. Wind is sometimes translated as wind, but we know that there are words like ruach and pneuma and, and, and other words that are translated as either wind or breath or spirit. And so when God is breathing, life takes place. God brings life through the wind. But this is not always true because the value of something or the quality of something is often determined by the quantity of that thing that we have. The value of something, the benefit of something is often determined by the quantity of how much we have of that thing. And it's not just true with wind, this is true with all things. This is true with medicine. When you have a little bit of medicine, it brings relief to your body and to your brain. When you have too much medicine, it can cause an overdose and death. The value is in finding the right amount of that thing. We know that a little bit of wine, scripture says, causes ease to a stomach, but too much wine causes drunkenness and sin. We know that we know that music, when you find the right volume of music, we know that that is a joyful experience, but we know that when that volume is too loud, when you have too much volume of music, it leads to discomfort, it leads to deafness. That is because the quality of something is determined, is relative to the quantity of that thing. And this is true for wind as well. We know that when the wind blows at an appropriate amount that it can turn the turbines of the windmill, that can power a city. But the same wind that can blow at a higher degree is going to bring destruction in the form of a tornado. Just because you have wind doesn't mean it's necessarily a good thing. Sometimes you can have a good amount of wind and sometimes you can have too much wind. And that's what, that's what we see in the book of Acts, in Acts 27. Paul is, is going around all different places, and then he decides that he wants to go to Rome in Acts 27. And 
He's getting ready to leave, but he says to the people that are on the ship, he says, I don't think that we should leave just yet because the wind is starting to blow and I think that it's gonna lead to a storm and so I think that we should stay where we are until this storm is gonna pass. And they say, well, we're just gonna go on anyway and they overrule his decision. And then out of nowhere, a storm erupts as they're out on the sea. It says this in Acts 27 verse 20, it says, when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. After they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Don't you love when you're in the middle of a storm and someone starts with, you should have listened to me. I told you so. Don't you love those people? He said, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. He says, you will not be lost, but the ship will be destroyed. You are going to survive, but the ship is going to be destroyed. The ship is the thing that they had their hope in. The ship is the thing that they thought would bring protection to them. The ship is the thing that they, they put their value in, they put their hopes in. The ship is the thing that they thought was going to get them to the other side. But Paul says the ship is going to be destroyed. You will live if you let go of the ship. The only way that you are going to survive this storm is if you let go of the thing that is going to be destroyed. And for us, the ship is represented in things that we hold on to too tightly. It's, it's the things that we hold on to too tightly because God is saying something else. God is saying that there might be a purpose for you outside of this thing that you are holding on to too tightly. What is the thing that you are holding onto so tightly that you are now missing the purpose that God has for you in your life? You're holding onto, maybe, maybe it's going to college. Maybe that's something that you're holding onto so tightly that you think that it has to happen. You think that college is the end, and college might be something that you're meant to do. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying don't go to college, but maybe you're holding onto college so tightly because you believe that it's gonna bring all the answers for you. But your purpose is not found in going to college. Maybe, maybe that's something that you need to loosen your grip of slightly because the ship is going to be destroyed. What are you holding onto so tightly that you are missing what God is saying in this season? Maybe, it, maybe it's not college, maybe it's, maybe it's the idea of marriage. Maybe if you're single, you're holding on to this idea of marriage like all of my problems are going to be removed when I get married. How many know that, how many married people know that all of your problems don't go away when you get married? Right? A bunch of hands just went up in the room. Mer Meredith, you didn't put your hand up? Oh, you do. You put your hand up. Okay. Your problems are not going to go away when you get married. And there is value in your singleness. And if you spend all of your singleness hoping to get married, you're missing potentially the purpose that God has for you in your singleness. If you're trying to find your completeness in marriage, then you're missing the opportunity for what God wants to do through you today if you're single. And so maybe, maybe the idea of being married is something that you're holding on to too tightly and you need to let go. 
Maybe, maybe it's not going to college, maybe it's not getting married, but maybe it's the idea of being an entrepreneur or, or being a, a business owner. You know, last year, for the first time ever, more people Googled, how do I start a business, than, than people that Googled, how do I get a job? For the first time ever. People have always Googled, how do I find a job more than how do I start a business? But for the first time last year, that swapped. And the reality is that everybody cannot be a business owner. Some people need to work for other people, right? And maybe you think that your answers will be solved if you start your own business. Maybe you think because you can bake well, then you need to open a bakery, but that might not necessarily be true. Maybe the purpose that God has for your life is to be the best employee for somebody else that you can possibly be. Maybe you don't need to be an entrepreneur. Maybe you don't need to be a business owner, but that's something that you're holding onto so tightly that you're missing the purpose that God has for you in the season that you're in. What is it in your life Maybe it's one of those things. Maybe it's all of those things. Maybe it's none of them. What is it in your life that you're holding onto so tightly that you're missing what God is trying to tell you in this season? That you're missing the purpose that God has for you today? What is it that you're holding onto so tightly that if, if it's going to be wrecked and you need to let it go, you're unwilling to let go today? What is it that you need to let go? Because... In this story, in, in Acts 27, the ship was, was wrecked and everybody that was on the ship, the hundreds of people that were on the ship, they are all saved because they let go of the ship. They let the ship be wrecked. And just like God said through Paul, they were all saved because the ship was wrecked and they were willing to let go of the thing that they had put their hope into. And so I just wanna encourage you today that God can save you from the storm that you're in. If you are in a storm, if you find yourself in a storm today, God can save you from that storm. But I wanna encourage you even more than that, even more than the fact that God can save you from the storm that you're in, God also sends storms in our direction. God can save you from the storm, that's what we see in Paul, and then God can also send storms in your direction. That's what he did to Jonah. Jonah is this Old Testament prophet that God tells to go to the city of Nineveh and to preach a salvation message so that people can encounter God. So what does Jonah do instead of going over to Nineveh? Jonah goes the other direction. He jumps on a ship in this direction so that he can avoid what it is that God is telling him to do. And then out of nowhere, we know the story, the storm comes up and it looks like the ship is going to be destroyed and then Jonah is thrown overboard and a, an enormous fish now swallows him whole. And eventually, because God always gets what he wants, then Jonah goes to Nineveh after all, and the city of Nineveh is saved. But how, how we view this story will determine your theology. How we view this story of Jonah is going to change and challenge the way that you think about God. Because if we only ever think of the fact that God saves us from the world, or if we only ever think about the fact that God saves us from the enemy, then we're missing the reality of what God sometimes does. Because God will save you from the storm, but God will also sometimes send the storm as well. God sent the storm to get Jonah's attention. 
God sent the, the storm to Jonah because he wasn't doing what God wanted him to do. God wanted to save Jonah from himself. This is, this is essentially why we discipline our children. We have three little boys and we discipline our children, right? Because, because the reality is, is that if your child is doing something small that is wrong, we want to correct that behavior before that small behavior becomes something big. If I tell my child not to touch something that is hot and they touch the thing that is hot, I need to correct that behavior before they injure themselves with something much bigger. This is why we correct, this is why we discipline our children. And this is essentially what God was doing to Jonah. And he wasn't punishing Jonah, he was correcting. the. He, he sent the storm to get his attention. He sent the storm to correct the behavior, to discipline him so that he would do what God had asked for him to do. And in addition to that, God sends the storm so that we can be saved from ourself. He sends the storm because he knows that he will save us from the end. And, and while he sent the storm, it wasn't so that we would perish. He, he sent the storm because he knew that we needed to trust him. He, he knew that we needed saving from ourselves, And so he sent the storm because he already knew that he would save us from ourselves in the first place. Sometimes God sends the storm because he wants to teach us something. And so often we are in a storm and the questions that we ask are like, why am I in this storm? What did I do wrong to deserve this storm? Why am I being punished by being in this storm? But instead of asking that question, what if instead of asking that we asked, God, what do I need to learn in the storm that I am in? If I truly believe that you are capable of sending storms to get my attention and to teach me things, then I have to believe that you are doing this for my good. And ultimately, every time that I am in a storm, I now view the storm with this perspective. I wanna view the storm for God's glory and for my benefit. I am in the storm for my benefit and for his glory. And that changes the perspective of how we view the storms of life. So God can, God can save you from the storm that you're in, Paul. God can send the storm, Jonah. But then what we also see is that God can send us into a storm. We see this in Matthew 14, verse 22. It says, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the winds because the wind was against it. Sometimes we know that the wind blows at our back. This is what it means to be in a windward position. Sometimes the wind is in our favor, but sometimes as well, the wind is not blowing in our favor. And we see this right here, that the wind is blowing against them, that this is rough seas. We see that this is hard going because now they're having to row to make any progress. And the disciples are not here. You might not have caught this. The disciples are not here because they have done something wrong. The disciples are not here because they are moving away from Jesus. The disciples are here because God told them to go. Yeah. Can we put, can we put uh, verse 22 back up on the screen? 
Verse 22, it says, immediately Jesus made the disciples. Jesus made the disciples go to the other side. They didn't decide to go to the other side. Jesus made them go to the other side. And this is, this is a big deal because what that means is that Jesus sent them into the storm. Yes, God can save you from the storm. Yes, God can use a storm when it comes at you, but also God might send you into a storm as well. And it, and it begs the question, I can understand that God can save me from a storm. And I can understand that God would use a storm to save me from myself, but why would God ever send his disciples into a storm? Why would God ever send the ones that he loves into a storm? This challenges the teaching and the preaching that says that if you love Jesus, that everything's gonna be good for you. It challenges the teaching that, that says if you love God, then everything is always going to be smooth sailing for you. And the reality is, it doesn't take long to live as a Christian for us to know that that's just not true. But why would God send us, the ones that he loves, into a storm? Why would he send us into a storm? The beautiful thing that we see in this story is what happens next. Jesus shows up in the middle of the storm. And the disciples don't know who it is. The disciples don't know what it is. The disciples freak out thinking that this is a ghost that they are now seeing out in the middle of the storm. And they freak out and then Jesus responds. It's awesome, he says, take courage. It is I. Jesus speaks calm by declaring who he is over this situation. He says, it is I. It is I, the one that you just saw feed the 5,000 people earlier today. It is I, the one that you have seen heal people countless times. It is I, the one that feeds people when they are hungry. It is I, the one that can forgive sins. It is I, the one that knows your deepest, darkest secret, but I love you anyway. It is I, the one that can bring deliverance to your mind. It is I, the one that can bring freedom to your soul. He said, you might, have, you might have heard about me from the past. I used to call myself the great I am, but now I'm telling you, it is I. Back here, I said that I am, and now I'm telling you, it, it is I. I am the one that you can put your hope in. I am the one that will never let you down. It is I. It is I that will respond when you pray to me. It is I, the one that will never forsake you. It is I, the one that will always love you, will always value you, will always treat you right. It is I. He says, do not be afraid. Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. There's, there's a time and a place for, for doubt. I, I understand that we have doubt sometimes. I have doubt sometimes. And I want this to always be a church where we can bring our doubt. This should be a place where we are not fleeing from God because of the doubt that we have. 
This, this should not be a church that we cannot show up to because we have doubts today. This is, this is a community where we can bring our doubts and where we can encourage each other in our doubts. But the reality is, is that when you have doubts, you have a divided focus. That's what doubt means. Doubt means that I'm not just focusing on what God wants. I'm not just focusing on Jesus. I have a split focus with fear as well. It says, I'm not just putting all of my trust in Jesus. I'm also focusing on anxiety. I now have a, a split focus. And the beautiful thing that happens when Jesus shows up in this storm is that Peter sees him. And we know that Peter walks on water, but that's not actually what Peter asks to be able to do. We, we know that it happens, but walking on water is a cool byproduct of what Peter actually wants. Peter is in the middle of the storm and he says, Jesus, let me come to you. He says, I wanna be close to you. And so he gets to walk on water, but he doesn't actually say, Jesus, it would be awesome if I could walk on water today. He wants to be close with Jesus. And in the middle of our storm, the best thing that you can do is to look for Jesus and to be drawn to him, to start moving in his direction. Jesus says, come. I see you in this storm, but come to me. And it's this beautiful image of what discipleship looks like. Peter sees Jesus doing something and then Peter says, I wanna be able to do that too. I wanna be close to you. And then it's in the moment that Peter and Jesus get back into the boat that the disciples worship. They are filled with awe and they worship right in the middle of the storm. They don't wait until they get to the other side. They don't wait until they get off the boat. They worship right there on the boat. I wanna encourage you today not to wait until you are out of the storm that you're in to start worshiping. Worship today, don't wait. Even if you can't see your way out of the storm that you're in, worship. Even if you've been in this storm for a while, worship. Keep on worshiping. Keep on worshiping. And the reason that the disciples worshiped was not because the storm went away. The reason that the disciples worshiped is because Jesus entered the boat. Jesus could have brought calm to the seas. Jesus could have gotten rid of the storm from the shore. But the reason that the disciples worshiped is because Jesus was present in the storm with them. How many are thankful for a God that enters into the storms that we are in? He doesn't observe from a distance. He says, I see you in the storm that you're in. And I wanna be right there with you. And the authors of the Bible are really intentional with the scriptures, with the, with the language that they use. It says that when Peter and Jesus entered into the boat, 
that the storm ceased. It, it actually says more accurately that the, that the storm grew weary. It said that the, the storm faded away into the sea in exhaustion. And I believe that there are some today that have been putting all of your attention on the storm that you are in. You've been putting all of your attention on the fact that you're tired. You're tired of mandates. You're tired of the news. You're tired of the pandemic. You're tired of, you're tired of the situation continually changing. You're tired of everything. And you don't think that this storm is ever going to end. But I just wanna speak over you today that the enemy is getting ready to cease because of your resilience that you have. You might be focused on the storm that you're in. You might be focused on the fact that you are tired, but the reality is, is that the enemy is getting ready to cease because he is exhausted. The enemy is tired. The enemy is getting ready to cease because of the resilience. If you keep on walking, if you keep on moving, if you keep up your resilience, you will overcome. Just keep on walking and the enemy will grow tired. The enemy will grow weary. Keep on walking. It's this beauty that's found in this resilient faith. It's a, it, it leads you into a, a deeper intimacy with Jesus that you cannot experience any other way if you keep on walking. And I believe that, that the wind is getting ready to blow in your direction. But if your focus is fully on your own storm, if your focus is fully on your own exhaustion, if your focus is fully on how tired you are, on how bad your situation is, then you're gonna miss your ability to catch the wind. Are you prepared for the wind to start blowing? Are you ready for the wind to start blowing in your direction? The wind is getting ready to blow. The wind is getting ready to blow. Are you ready to catch it? Are you prepared to catch the wind? It's gonna blow where it wants to. Get ready, get prepared to catch the wind. God can save you from the storm. God can send the storm to save you from yourself. But sometimes if you're exhausted, if you've created a mess yourself, if you're lacking faith, then God will send you into a storm to help get your attention off of yourself and onto the one that can change your situation. He will send you into a storm to rock the boat, to grow your faith, to increase your understanding of your creator. He'll save you from the storm. He'll send a storm in your direction, but he also will send you into a storm to show you just the kind of God that he is. Let's stand and pray. God, I'm thankful for what you're doing in us and through us. God, I'm thankful 
that we can find our hope in you. God, I'm thankful that you will save us from the storm that we find ourselves in today. God, I'm thankful that you are already working on our behalf, saving us from the storms that we will enter into in the next season. God, I'm thankful that you're gonna save us from those storms. God, I'm thankful that you will send a storm to get our attention, that you will send a storm to save us from ourselves, to bring correction to our behavior, to teach us to get our attention. God, I'm thankful that you send a storm. And God, I'm thankful that you will lead us into the storm. I trust today, I believe today that you are working all things for your good. And it might not make sense today on why I'm in the storm that I'm in, but I choose in this moment to give you the praise. I choose in this moment to give you the adoration. I choose in this moment to give you the thanks anyway, that you are moving on my behalf, that you know what needs to happen, that you know just how much I can take and you won't give me more than I can bear. I thank you, God, that you're moving on my behalf. And God, it's not gonna make sense to the world, but today I thank you for the storm that I'm in. I thank you, God. I thank you for what you're gonna do in it. I thank you for what you're gonna do through it. And God, I thank you for the testimony that is coming from the storm. Amen.